It's a question we have all asked ourselves at one time or another. What is my purpose in life? And while we all have many gifts and desires that are unique to us as individuals, we were all created for this one purpose, to glorify God our Father. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. So in a world focused only on self, we want to shift the paradigm to be purposeful women of God. So join us as we change our focus from me to thee. Hello and welcome to the Purposeful Women of God podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Tabitha. Thank you for joining us today. So it is December 5th. Right. And we are introing into our Christmas series. I'm so excited. I really am. I am. Tis the season. Yes, I've been looking forward to really studying this out. Yes. But just Christmas in general. Just I Christmas. just love this time of year. It's my favorite time of year. Same. Same here. Cold weather, though, probably not I my know, favorite. It's, kind of, it's pretty but... cold today. Pretty cool today. And Pace decided to wear shorts this morning. So did Landon. Oh, well, okay. At least I'm not the only parent that dropped their child off 37 degrees with shorts. I did make him at least grab a sweatshirt. Yeah, he wore a jacket. But I'm like, are you sure you want to wear shorts? Yes, I want to wear shorts. Okay. Yeah. I don't even argue anymore. I know. I don't either. Me neither. Anyways, when I think of the Christmas season and the holiday season in general, I like to think about traditions and memories and all of that that we do with our family. So, Ashley, let me ask you this. What is your fondest memory of Christmas from when you were growing up? Oh, my goodness. There's a lot. I don't know. Um, I guess probably when I was growing up, my mom always cooked a big meal for my dad's family Christmas Eve. So we did that Christmas Eve, and that was just tradition. We didn't get together much with my dad's family, so that was very special Mm -hmm. that she would do that and, and hosted Christmas Eve. But what was also special about that is my grandfather... It was my dad's dad and my step-grandmother, who we call Nana. They stayed the night with us, and so they were always there Christmas morning when we opened up our gifts, and they actually are still doing that now, and now they're coming to my house Christmas morning to see my kids open their gifts. That's fun. And my grandfather is like 83 now, so that's just, yeah, he doesn't understand. Like, that's just a big deal to me. So, and then Christmas Day was always spent with mom's family. We would get up and... Santa would come, and we'd have all day to, to do that, and then we would go to Mama's that night, mm-hmm. and all of us would get together, and that was always the most fun. I always loved all of us getting together and running well, around and in her small context, house. Well, and for context for everyone <laughs> to know, like, she yeah. has six children. Yes. They all have kids, and yeah. so it was a house full, and it's house just a little, full. you know, wood frame house, <laughs> what, three-bedroom, one bath. Yes. Small house that we all small just yes. tore to pieces. Yes, but we had so much fun playing hide-and-seek. Mm-hmm. We would play games. We had a blast. I loved going to Mama's and getting together yeah. with all my cousins and yeah. my aunts and uncles, and the, the men would be in there playing cards, and we'd be in there talking or playing games. That yeah. was just the best. But I also, it's funny because, you know, every year mom would buy us an ornament to hang on the tree as Mm -hmm. many people do. You know, you get a new ornament every year. Yeah. Um, and I went back last night because I brought the kids over to see her trees. Now she has multiple trees growing up. We only had one. Um, and she has one dedicated to her memory tree and that's where all of our ornaments from when we were little and everything were on the tree. And every year, it just, it takes me back. When I was born, she was 18. Like she, yeah. you know, she just turned 18 and I was born on December 13th. So I was little and she wasn't able to buy me my first Christmas ornament. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So it's this handmade little gray ornament that she took paint and just wrote on baby's first Christmas Aww. and it's got 85 on it and it still hangs on the tree every year. I and I saw it last night and I was just like, uh, it almost brings me to tears every year. Cause I'm like, she's 18 years old. Didn't have any money. Didn't have a way probably at the time to get me out to go get anything. And she made this little ornament and it's, That's it's sweet. on the tree every year. Yeah, so it's just really cool. That. So what about you? What are some of your That's, fondest It was memories? hard for me to really even come up with just one I know Um, there's so many my mom was always really good about just making Christmas very special yeah I was an only child so I got all the attention so I couldn't really just pick one thing as far as that was concerned it was just always a big deal like Christmas morning was always a big deal but you know when you were talking about grandparents that made me think we would go to my dad's side of the family on Christmas day for lunch and Mm -hmm. then go as you talked about to mom's side on Christmas night but my grandfather, my dad's dad, every Christmas morning, they didn't spend a night or anything, but while my grandmother was home cooking, he would come around to all of our homes to see what so we got, got for Christmas. And, you know, and I just think about that now, like, he probably didn't care what we got, but that was just his yeah, way that was his of thing just, that he did. you know, like, he didn't care for, probably for me to show him my Barbie house <laughs> and all my Barbies and stuff, but he acted like he did, yeah. you know, <laughs> and I guess he did because he made the effort to come around, and I just remember when he got sick because he got Alzheimer's and yeah. later on in life, it was just one of those that, you know, you, you really couldn't do that, that anymore, but I did miss that, yeah. That's what I start thinking about, the how traditions start changing yeah, you know, and I, I lost my grandmother last year and just her not being there last year was yeah. just in an empty spot, right. you know, and the yeah. things that we would talk about and do, it was just very, very weird. And so my grandfather, you know, he's already talked about he's coming up Christmas Eve and he's spending the night with my parents and he's going to see what the kids get yeah. Christmas morning. Like that just, uh, that I, when I, the time that I, I know it's short, I know I don't have that for very much longer probably right. with him. So it's, it's really special. At least the I travel think. part to come yeah, up. Yeah. Cause he lives in LJ. So it's, it's a drive for him just to come up here. So that's just real special. I think those traditions just change throughout the years. But and you know, it's so interesting how I probably can't, I mean, I can name a, few, a handful of things that I got when I was a kid, like the gifts yeah. part that really just stick out in my right. mind. But it's just the the memories made with my family yeah. that stick out to me more than anything. That's and we put so much emphasis on the gifts, the gifts. but it's like, <laughs> it's just the time, with, the time family with family and the traditions and the mm-hmm. memories that we all make. But, you know, just like yeah. you were sh- sharing about that one little ornament, mm-hmm. it's also not like how much you spend. Like, no. it's just the thought <laughs> that goes into things. That's right. Um, and, and making so, things special. And I forget special. that sometimes, you know, even with my own kids. So. Well, I think we're so privileged. I mean, when oh, yeah. people hear, oh, I don't have the money to buy my child an ornament. Like, yeah, really? Like, really? Any yeah. of us could buy our child an ornament now. And so I right. think that's, you know, some of our issues, too, that we don't know yeah. what that's like. But yeah. it's just special. It Those is. things are special. It is. Well, let's go ahead and get into our study for today. And I've been really excited about this, as I've already said, just studying out the story of Jesus's birth and the reason that we commemorate and celebrate Christmas. And, you know, as I was thinking about this and we're planning out this series, I was, you know, I've heard things like, well, Jesus really wasn't born on December the 25th. Mm -hmm. You know, is it, or, or, you know, if we really knew where the origins of Christmas came from, maybe we wouldn't celebrate the way that we do, or Christmas has become so commercialized. You know, there's so many people that don't even 
truly recognize the real meaning for Christmas. Um, But we hope that over the next few weeks, maybe a couple of those questions will be answered. Um, But really, more than anything, we just want you to learn something new from this story, maybe from a different perspective. And you know, that's actually kind of a hard feat because we've all heard the story. (laughs) You know, we've seen the plays, we've watched the movies. There's really nothing new to share, I guess, you know, right? But um, Jesus is the hope that we have. And we do want to continue to learn and grow and learn new things about this story. So we hope that maybe you'll learn a little things, you know, some little things along the way that you've never considered that will give you an understanding of the significance of Jesus's birth. But the approach that we want to take in this way is of a character study or a character analysis. So we're going to be looking at each person or group of people that are talked about throughout the Christmas story and discover new and exciting things about each of these. So today we're starting with Mary and Joseph. Yep, starting from the beginning. Yeah. So Mary and Joseph, as we know, were Jesus's earthly parents. They were appointed by God to raise him like any other young child would be raised So before we look at each of these individuals, I first want to take a look at Jewish tradition during this time, because having an understanding of what things were like will help us to understand the significance of things that are talked about in the Gospels. And I think so many times there's some confusion about Mary and Joseph's relationship and were they married? Were they not? Yeah. So we just kind of wanted to go into that a little bit before we get into talking about Mary and Joseph specifically. So you have to understand that during this time, Jewish customs, you know, the marriage, marriages between the Israelites was a lot different than it is now in the means of engagement. Mm -hmm. So most of the time they were arranged marriages. Mm -hmm. They weren't out of love for the other person a lot of times. A lot of times it was this family deciding with this family that, hey, we want our children to be married. So... You have Joseph's parents and Mary's parents who decided, okay, we want them to be married. Well, after they decided this and they had this arrangement, then there became an agreement. So at this point, the groom's parents, so Joseph's parents, would have paid a price for Mary's hand in marriage, basically. So he would pay a price for the bride. And at this point, they were under a contract basically that he was, they were going to be husband and wife. So during this time, after this contract, they've decided they're going to be husband and wife. They paid the price for the bride. There was a period of time that's called the betrothal period, so to speak. So they were betrothed to each other, a spouse to each other. So when you see your, those terms or hear those terms, you know, when you're looking at the scripture, they're interchangeably. Mm-hmm. So They would have been betrothed to each other. That usually lasts probably a year or longer. So basically, during this time, the groom is going to prepare a home for his bride. That's usually what they did. They took the time to prepare a home for their bride, and they would live in separate houses. So Mm -hmm. Mary, you know, would have gone back to her family. Joseph would be living with his family, and he would have told her, you know, Mary, I don't know when I'm coming, but I'm coming for you as soon as our house is ready. You know, I'm coming back to get you. So we didn't know the time, but a lot of times when he was ready, he would actually send someone and they would blow a trumpet and they would let the, the bride oh, know that, that I was reading. A lot of times it was by a trumpet or something to let her know that, hey, I'm coming and it's time. Yeah. And as I was studying this last night, I had to stop because I'm like, okay, wait a minute. 
So I'm going to, I'm going to pause for a second because we've all heard the correlation between, you know, a bride and a groom Mm -hmm. compared to Christ and the the church. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Christ is the groom and the church as his bride. And I just started thinking, I'm like, oh man. So, so God prepared Jesus and he arranged this marriage between him and us. So we're in this arranged marriage but, you know, there had to be a price paid for us. Mm-hmm. And so God sent his son to pay the ultimate price wow, for us, good. his bride, on the cross at Calvary. But, you know, it didn't stop there. He told us, he said, okay, this price has been paid. I've bought you. But don't worry, I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm coming back and for I'm you again. A place for I'm going. You. I'm preparing that place for you. So right now, I'm sitting here like, oh, we're in this betrothal period yes. with Christ right now. We're in this period. He's going home. He's preparing our place. But guess what? He told me he'd come yeah, again. That's awesome. And with the sound of a trumpet, he's yeah. coming again, <laughs> and he's going to be coming to get us. So I got all excited yeah. last night. I'm like, ah, oh. you know, <laughs> I've always heard the correlation, but I got really excited last night. So, anyways, back to. Mary and Joseph, so they would have been in this betrothal period when the angel Gabriel came unto Mary and told her she would conceive a child. See, I mean, you're Mary. Mm -hmm. You're probably living at your parents' house. This angel comes to you and says, you're going to conceive a child. What are you thinking? How am I? What? I've not known a man. How, How is this supposed to happen? So, of course, as she began showing, Joseph found out, of course, he thought the same thing, right? How, how, Mary? What have you done? You know, his the first thing in his mind is she's been with somebody else probably. And so he was thinking to himself, wow, this punishment, she's committed adultery. This would be punishable by death. You know, mm-hmm. she would be stoned to death for this. And so he had to think about, you know, the scripture says he decided to put her away quietly. So back then, as I mentioned, when they this arrangement happened, they, they paid the price for the bride. This was a contractual agreement. They were husband and wife. So the only way Joseph was going to be able to get out of this relationship with Mary was by a divorce decree. He actually had to divorce her quietly, and that's what he was going to ultimately do. Mm -hmm. We know the angel appeared to Joseph and told him, you know, fear not, Joseph, to take Mary as your wife, because that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. So we know that he went through with a marriage with Mary, and they were still in this, you know, betrothal period of time, but we see in Luke 2, 1 through 7, when they were heading to Bethlehem to register for the census, that Mary was considered Joseph's wife. Verse 5 says, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. They were considered husband and wife by Jewish customs, even though they hadn't had the official ceremony and they wouldn't consummate the marriage until after Jesus was born. So to answer a lot of people's questions and confusion on the story, Mary and Joseph were legally married before the birth of Jesus. Right. All right. So that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But now we're going to, now that we understand the history of Jewish traditions during the time period, we're actually going to look at the gospel account of Jesus's birth. And the birth of Jesus is recorded in the books of Matthew and Luke. But here's what's interesting to note. While both Matthew and Luke share the story of Jesus' birth, they each highlight different things. For example, Matthew tells about the angel visiting Joseph, but Luke doesn't. Mm -hmm. Matthew discusses the visit from the Magi or the wise men. Luke doesn't. But Luke shares the account of the host of angels appearing to the shepherds in the field. 
Luke gives the story of Mary being visited by the angel and of the birth of John. Matthew doesn't. Mm -hmm. So why do these two men highlight different events about the birth of Jesus? Is there a contradiction in the word of God? And, you know, some people will try and dispute Mm -hmm. that and say, well, they contradict one another because one is telling this story, the other's telling this story. Did they both happen? So I just thought about this. Ashley and I went Black Friday shopping the other day. And so we were both there same event but if i were to ask you what did you do that day ashley what is something that you would tell me that we did that day (laughs) or that happened (laughs) the first thing that comes to my mind is tabitha and i decided to bring suitcases because when you get into the mall when you actually convince me when you get into the suitcase (laughs) when you get into the mall you don't want to be lugging bags around so i bring a suitcase and shove all my bags in there and so Tabitha brought her little suitcase and we're in line. Tabitha's got this big armful of stuff and belt that we're in line to check out with. And next thing I know, she's dragging her suitcase. It falls over. She grabs it and the whole handle breaks <laughs> off. So this thing that is supposed to make me, make my life easier now has complicated everything. Yeah, and I'm like, mm, that's not going to work. Luckily, we were close somewhat to the car at yes. this point, and we weren't far away. But that was like the highlight of the day to me, because Maddie, it was Maddie's first Black Friday trip. We, we embarrassed her to death, I think, but it was, so it was fun. funny. It was just a funny part. It was, and we had a great time. We did. Okay, so if you had asked me what had happened, that would not be the first story (laughs) that I would tell. Um, I would probably take it from a more sentimental point of view because, like you said, it's it was Maddie's first Black Mm -hmm. Friday that she actually went all day with me, and from a mom perspective, you know, I was thinking, I don't know if she's going to have that good of a time, and this is going to end up being miserable. And she ended up having so much fun. And just watching her, like... It was a lot of fun. It was it was a lot of fun. So I would probably, if you were to ask me about that event, take a different perspective. Yeah. But neither one of us are wrong, right? right? But then it would also depend on who asked me. Yeah. So if my mom asked me, well, what did you guys do? I am going to give her the play-by-play. Yeah. We went here and here and here. Yes. And I'm going to tell her how much this <laughs> cost and how much I saved and yep. all of those things. But if Derek asked me... He doesn't care about all that, yeah. so I'm just going to give him the Cliff Note version. Oh, it was of, great. It was fun. We had a good time. We had a great you know, time. That, that's yep. going to be it. That's right. So while the Word of God and these two gospel accounts are of much more importance <laughs> than our day shopping, the concept is similar. Different parts of an event are going to stick out in our minds in different ways. In the same way that Ashley and I were both together on Black Friday, I will tell you about something different than what Ashley did. Mm-hmm. And neither one of us are wrong, right? It's mm-hmm. just from our perspective and depending on who our audience is. So the same is true for Matthew and Luke. So understanding who they are and to who they're writing to is of much importance. Matthew wrote primarily to the Jews, and he desperately wanted them to believe that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. That was his point. Mm -hmm. That's what he's writing about. Luke, on the other hand, was writing from the perspective from a Gentile doctor. He greatly emphasizes the humanity of Jesus and writes with the message of being prepared for the return of Jesus in mind. It's also important to note that Luke actually wasn't an eyewitness to all of these events, but he interviewed people along the way who shared these stories with him, and he compiled these stories together. He vetted them, you know, to make sure that what they were saying was truthful. Um, So throughout this study, we're going to be referencing both the book of Matthew 
and Luke, but just giving that background of where they're both coming from as they're writing these perspective stories. That's right. So let's take a look at Joseph. Matthew 1 begins with a lineage of Joseph. And many times when we read the Bible and we see a whole section of so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so begat yeah. so-and-so, the first thing you want to do is skip over it, but it always has significance, much like it does in Matthew 1. Here Matthew begins in verse 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Remember as Tabitha said, Matthew is writing to the Jews and the Jewish people would have wanted to know where this man Jesus came from if they were going to believe. So Matthew walks through the line of Jesus from the ancestry of Joseph. Isaiah 11.1 1 in the Old Testament, which would have been of importance to the Jews, says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, Jesse who we know is King David's father, The importance of referencing Jesse here is that the royalty of David was already gone by the time Jesus comes. So the reference of Jesse would represent the lowliness of Jesus. Isaiah tells the Jews that there will be one born from the lineage of Jesse, and Isaiah will go on to prophesy of the one who will come to give his life, Jesus. So let's read Matthew 1, 18 through 25 to get to know Joseph a little more. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And you kind of referenced this earlier. You know, what would Joseph have felt like? You know, can you imagine like I'm engaged to this woman or I have this contract as you were saying and what are people going to think? Right. You know, there there must have come so many emotions A lot, Yeah. So in verse 19, it says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. So think about his character for this. Because he could have really stuck it to her if he wanted to. And like we said, this was punishable by death. She could have been taken out and stoned to death for adultery. And this is before he's told what's really going on. Because he has no idea at this point. At this moment in his mind, she has had an affair. Yeah. You know, and so, but he's like, I don't want anything bad to happen no, to I her. No, I care about her. Yeah. I don't want anything to happen to her. So he was going to divorce her quietly. Yeah. Basically, he was going to go through those steps to get a divorce, to put her away quietly, which says so much about his character. Mm-hmm. Then in verse 20, it says, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee, marry thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And this is what's awesome about this, is that, the Old Testament would have been very important to him. And in Isaiah, he had already prophesied 700 years earlier in Isaiah 4.14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a son. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So that would have been very important. I just can't even imagine. Like, I'm getting chills just thinking about hearing this and Joseph being like, wait a minute. I know that he's coming. He knew that the Messiah was coming. Yeah. You know, but now he's being told by the angel. I'm going to have a part of this? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it just would have been so crazy. 
So in verse 24, it says, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Joseph, but we can conclude that he was a man of high integrity. He was faithful to the law, kind, and self-sacrificing. Well, and we talk a lot about Mary and how God chose Mary, but also... Joseph was going to be the one, the earthly father yeah. that Jesus was going to look to. He was the one who was going to teach him That's right. all of those things as a man. I know Jesus is man and God, but, you know, his his flesh yeah. side, Joseph was going to be the one to raise him. And so that's a what pretty a high, high calling, calling for Joseph as well. Most definitely. So gotquestions.org says, although the Bible does not give many specifics about who Joseph was as a person, and the Bible records no actual words that Joseph spoke, we know enough to see that he was a humble man who faithfully obeyed God, honored others, took responsibility, and worked hard to provide for his family. These are all godly characteristics that we should seek to replicate. Actions speak louder than words. He showed As that. We've always seen, he showed it. You know, and I didn't realize that there's no record of him speaking. Speaking, that's crazy. Isn't that crazy? That is but crazy. But yeah, we know. We feel like we know so much about him. Yeah. You know? But anyway, let's now turn to Luke, and that's where we learn about Mary. So Luke tells us about Mary in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. It says, And in the sixth month of the angel, Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Verse 29 says, And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. I mean, wow. Can you imagine? I just can't imagine the situation. You know, Mary... Couldn't have, I, I wish we knew like the ages, but she couldn't have been very old. Yeah. And to have this angel come to her and just say, you have been highly favored with God. What an honor. Yeah. Such an honor. Yeah. But uh, let's keep reading. I would be scared to death. To talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so verse 30 says, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Then in verse 38, it goes on to say, And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And, you know, I just think about the shame that she would have experienced. You know, at this moment, she doesn't know how Joseph is going to react. Right. Um, And I I say all that. She knows that this is going to be the son of God, but who's going to believe her? Right. You know? (laughs) Just even her family. Right. You know, that would have been. How are her parents going to respond? Yeah. All of those things. Friends and everything else. Like, you're crazy, you know? Right. But then we go on to see that Mary goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. who is also pregnant with John the Baptist. And they have such a great encounter. That's where John the Baptist like leaps in her womb, womb, which, you know, and then she is like, 
um, Elizabeth is excited for Mary. Yeah. She believes. She's like, even even my baby, baby knows that this yeah. is the Messiah that's coming. And so they celebrate the expectant arrival of their baby boys and all that God is doing in and through them. I just thought of how, you know, in the midst of people not believing, God at least gave Mary. Yeah. You know, Elizabeth, yeah. who was like, I believe you. I believe you. You know, and sometimes that's all it takes is one person who's like, I believe in what is going mm-hmm. to happen that's or right. what you're you're wanting to I do. I believe or you to do. and yeah. supports you. And, yeah. yeah. And Mary said in verse 46, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Uh, what I like about this is that Mary humbled herself. You know, she's calling herself, you know, the the low handmaiden yeah. of God. But she also, at the same time, recognizes the amazing privilege of carrying the Son of God. Yeah. So she knows generations to come are going to know my name yeah. because I am carrying the Son of God. How, how amazing would that be? It's, it's just crazy it's when you amazing. think about all of it yeah. put together. Then as we know the story in Luke 2, there was a census, as mm-hmm. uh, Ashley already spoke about, and Joseph, being the male of the household, had to return to his hometown of Bethlehem to be counted, um, which led them to the place that Jesus would be born And after Jesus was born and after the shepherds had come, and we're going to talk more about this later on in in different um, episodes, Uh, it says in verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I mean, I just think like with my own kids, the pride that comes with, you know, how I feel about them, the... um, the joy that comes with yeah. all of that. But then there was there was so much of this story that she probably couldn't tell everyone right. just yet. Yeah. You know, it just so she, she had just, to keep in. So she and just kept it in. But she knew. She Mary, knew. Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know? She knew. Oh, she knew. <laughs> <laughs> but she yeah. probably didn't know the extent of what he would face. You know, at no, this and time, what she would face. Yeah. And at this time you have to think, like, when she's thinking the son of God is coming. Remember, they all thought that he was coming to set up his throne. Right. So at that moment, I don't she know. I don't know, I don't what know that she, she would have knew been that what she would have to face with him and yeah. how she wouldn't have him. But I mean, Isaiah prophesied of the death. Right. So there would be, they would have known some right. of that. But to the extent of it, I don't know I don't what know. they we would don't have know. Known. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at the earthly parents of Jesus, what else do we know about them? After the birth of Christ. Mm -hmm. So we see a couple of other accounts that Mary and Joseph continued to listen to God and obey his laws and commands. We know in Luke 2, 22 through 24, that they took Jesus to Jerusalem to have him dedicated at the temple 40 days after he was born, which was required by the law of Moses. Then we see in Matthew that an angel appeared to Joseph in dreams a couple of times, First, he was told to flee to Egypt because Herod would seek to kill all the boys two years old and younger. And after Herod's death, Joseph was again visited by an angel in a dream that told him to return to Israel. And from there, they settled in Nazareth. Then in Luke 2.41, they traveled to the festival of the Passover in Jerusalem. And remember, this is where Jesus was left behind, and they had to return back and found Jesus sitting among the teachers 
of the law. I just couldn't imagine this moment, <laughs> you know, and Jesus was referred to as the carpenter's son in Matthew 13, 55. So we know that was Joseph's vocation, although that can mean anything from a wood carpenter to a stones mason. Based on Luke 2.52, we know that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, which can only be assumed was supported by his earthly parents. I mean, you would have to think so, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we know that Jesus also had siblings, um, which are assumed to be his half-siblings of Mary and Joseph, because we're not told anything different. But Mm -hmm. Mark 6.3 indicates that he had at least six siblings— James, Joseph, Simon, Judas, and then it mentions sisters, plural. So we don't know exactly how many, but plural would indicate at least two. Two, So that would give him at least six siblings. It's also speculated that Joseph died sometime after Jesus Mm -hmm. was 12. So from that time at the temple where they came back to look for him. And then before he began his earthly ministry, which was around the age of 30. So sometime in that time frame is when it's speculated that he would have passed away. And, you know, sometimes I just wonder why he would have died prematurely or why he's not mentioned much more. But, you know, I was just thinking the other day, I wonder if God allowed his him to pass away to not hinder the ministry of Jesus in any mm. way, you know, because the patriarch yeah. of the family would have been held in a higher regard. Right. And so then that would have put Jesus really at the, I don't want to say at the top of the, well, I guess it, it yeah. would have been at the top of the line been. in that family, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's also indicated that a couple, if not more of Jesus's siblings did not believe that he was the Messiah until after his resurrection. And so I wonder, you know, if Joseph was still alive, how that would have affected their belief. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I was just thinking about things like that. If maybe, you know, God has a purpose and a plan for everything, Everything. if that would have been part of the reason why, I don't know. That's just just questions in my head. Yeah. But we do, however, see other accounts of Mary. In John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, Mary is the one who requested that Jesus turn the water into wine Mm -hmm. at the wedding of Cana. And ultimately, this is where Jesus performed his first miracle. And she had faith and told the servants to do whatever he asked, even though he had rebuked her a little at first, (laughs) you know? (laughs) That wasn't sure if he was ready for that. Yeah. And I just think about, like, as a mom, it's like, oh, come on. You can do this. Come on, Jesus. You I can do it. I know you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we also know that she was at the cross mm-hmm. as Jesus died. And that just, gosh, oh. I think about that. And that just couldn't imagine breaks that day heart. for a mom. Yeah. That's recorded in John 19, 25. And she was also, though, with the apostles on the day of Pentecost in Acts 1, 14. And that's the last time anything is mentioned of Mary. So here's what we need to understand about Mary. She was chosen by God. She was highly favored among women. She was held in high regard. However, nowhere in Scripture is Mary esteemed to be worshipped. In fact, if anything, she was a sinner and in need of the Messiah just as anyone else. Nowhere are we told that she hears our prayers or serves as a mediator. In fact, Jesus is our only advocate and mediator in heaven, and that is recorded in 1 Timothy 2.5. It says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And as we read in Luke 1, Mary herself directs all praise to God, her Savior. Holy is he, she said. And I love this quote. The Bible never says that Mary was anyone but an ordinary human 
whom God chose to use in an extraordinary way. Man, and isn't that what God does all the time? Yes. He I mean, now this was a, a little bit more wow, extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> Very more extraordinary. Yes. But yes. But, but yeah, yes, he, he uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And he's still using everyday average people to do amazing things for him. Yeah. And what a privilege. Yeah, it what is. A privilege. What a privilege. So what's the purpose for us talking about this today? Well, while Mary and Joseph both deserve our reverence and respect for the high calling on their lives, in no way are they to be worshipped. As we already said, only Jesus is to be elevated and esteemed as Lord, and he is the only one that reigns over all. Jesus is our mediator between us and God, and it's only through our salvation in Jesus that allows us to be in fellowship with God. But man, what an honor to get to raise this Savior of the world. I couldn't imagine. An honor and a great challenge. Yeah. yeah. So what is our... No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. (laughs) So what is our challenge for this week? I was thinking about this and I thought, what would you do if God asked you to do something extraordinary for him? Would you respond as Mary? I'm your servant, Lord. I'll do whatever you ask. Would you respond as Joseph and allow your actions to speak louder than your words? Just automatically go and do what God has asked you to do. Or would you refuse to do it? Would you think, that's just too hard. God, that's too hard. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Every day we are given an opportunity to live for him. Are we found worthy or are we found lazy? But in addition to that, are you living a life that is worthy of a high calling? And that's convicting. Mm -hmm. You know, he looked at Mary and she was highly favored among the women that were there. That's why she was chosen. Would he choose us? You know, and so when you wow. think about that, that's convicting. Yeah. We couldn't be called to do the same thing as Mary. Right. But are you willing and ready to do what God wants you to do? And, you know, I just think that that's our challenge today is yeah. examine your heart. Right. Are, are you willing to do whatever God calls you to do? And Ashley was at our service on Sunday and we had a missionary who, you know, he owned a farm here in Georgia and that was you know, his heart's desire is this is where I'm going to raise my family. It was given to him. It's a generational home, you know, and his whole heart was that this is where I'm going to land and I'm going to raise my family. But God told him to go to Vermont and live in a parsonage Mm -hmm. and raise his family in a parsonage and reach the people of Vermont in that area that need a pastor. Yeah. And I just, gosh, I listened to him and I'm like, you know, we all have desires. We all have things that we want to do. Right. But if God told us to give it up and to walk away and to go do something crazy and extraordinary and that made no sense to anybody else, would we be willing to do that? And I just listened to him and it just convicted my heart. Like how many times am I like, Lord, here I am. Use me. Use my life Mm -hmm. in any way that you want to. But but there's restrictions. We but put restrictions don't let on me it. Do this. Yeah. You know, I kid all the time. God, please don't send me to Africa. And then he did one time. Yeah. You know, and but then I come back and I'm like, oh, but I just think about that plane ride and I never want to go back. Yeah. You know, because it's so long. And but it's like, but if God told me to go, like I could, we've got Would to you do go? it. Yeah. Would I do it? Would, Would I do what he called me to do? Yeah. And I don't know. That's just convicting when you think about that and how many people live their lives like that, just willing and ready to do whatever God asked them to do at that moment. And that's what I I want for my life. That's what I want for your life and for anyone that may be listening is like, be, 
be ready and willing to do whatever God calls you to do. And sometimes it, it might be difficult and it might be crazy, but whatever he calls you to do is going to be so much more fulfilling than what you have in mind for yourself. Yeah, I can promise it will be rewarding. Mm-hmm. So Tabitha, how about we just end the episode today with a word of prayer? All right. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just come to you today and I just thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. God, I thank you for this story and just the examination of Mary and Joseph's life that we were able to see today, God. And I pray that each one of us would live on mission, that we would live ready and willing to do whatever you call us to do, God. And I pray that we would just examine our hearts, God, and and give you everything that we have, God, because you are worthy. God, we love you and we praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you learned a little something new that you didn't know about Mary and Joseph. We will be picking up next week talking about angels. So you don't want to miss it. Make sure you're following along with us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. Check out our website. Remember, as always, a sincere desire to become purposeful women of God starts with changing focus from me to thee. God bless from our hearts to yours. See ya. Bye.